Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph. On Point, keeping you focused in the right direction. I'm your facilitator, the one and only Vincent T. Edwards, Mr. Speaker. And today, the bishop is going to talk to us about the anatomy of a church, the anatomy of a church coming from the book of First Corinthians, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 3. And it is so good to be back here in the studio with my friend, my brother in Christ, Bishop Robert G. Rudolph. How are you doing on today, Bishop? Mr. Speaker, I am doing fine. How are you doing on today? Hope all is well. All is well. Got a little cool air coming through here in Tallahassee. Is it starting to get a little fall weather? So it's feeling really, really good here in Tallahassee. So I won't complain. Looking forward to your teaching on today because your teaching is so helpful, insightful, and beneficial to not only myself, but I do believe to your entire listening audience who's able to listen to you on your website at robertgrudolph.org, as well as on the Apple platform. With that being said, Bishop, if you would lead us into prayer and begin our topic today on the anatomy of a church. Well, if everyone uh, would just bow their heads with me in a word of prayer, Mr. Speaker, we will begin. Father, we thank you for this day, and we do thank you for the opportunity to minister to your people. Now, God, in the name of Jesus, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Mr. Speaker... I just want to say hello to everyone, and I appreciate everyone for listening to the podcast weekly. It means a lot when we hear people either email us or they might even call us or call the church and say that we listen to the podcast and we're keeping up with what you're doing, and I'm excited about that. And thank you again, Mr. Speaker, for helping us out. On today, we are going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, the first letter, the first epistle that Paul wrote to the church at Corinth. First chapter, verses 1 through 3. First chapter of 1 Corinthians, verses 1 through 3. And I want to talk to you about the anatomy of a church. The anatomy of a church. Let's look at the scripture. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 1 through 3. This is what it says. Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace be unto you and peace from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Those three verses of scripture will help me to talk to all of you on today about the anatomy of a church. Well, first of all, let's define church, Mr. Speaker, because a lot of people see that the church is a building. But I want you to know that the church is more than the building. And I think COVID has taught us over the past two and a half years or so that the church is not just the building, 
but the church in this definition is a group of sanctified believers, of people who have stood together, whether they are in a church building, whether they are in their individual homes, it really doesn't matter. They are a church because they're a group of believers who have come together. So that's my definition of a church. It's not just the brick and mortar. It is not just the building, mm -hmm. but the church is a group of believers who have come together to worship and to praise the name of the Lord. But 1 Corinthians, Paul's uh, epistle to the saints at Corinth, gives us an actual portrait of a New Testament church. And if you look at these particular verses of scripture, you are introduced to the church and what it's all about. Let's look at verse one. First of all, not only do you have the church and it is more than just a building, but every church has a planter. And in some phases, people will say a founding pastor or a founding leader because uh, the church, God is the founder of the church. He may not be the founder, the physical founder of the individual church, but he is the founder of the church. And what Paul was saying in verse one is that we have to understand that there must be a planter of the church. And in that particular verse of scripture, Paul was giving that credit to himself. He's saying, I'm the not the founder of the church because Jesus Christ is the founder, but I am the planter of this particular church in Corinth. Uh, Paul was called to be a, an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God. And that was very important for us to understand because Paul was not one of the original apostles. He was not, he did not walk with Jesus while he was on earth. He was not there with Jesus on a day-to-day -day basis like the other apostles. But what I like about Paul is that he wrote more epistles than any other apostle. And he wasn't with Jesus. And he had a checkered past because he held the cloaks of them who stoned Stephen. But the Bible tells us, and the scripture records, that he was probably the greatest evangelist as far as planning churches, as far as writing uh, epistles, probably than any other uh, individual. So he was the planter of the church at Corinth. And, and just to remind the audience, and I know we've talked about this on other podcasts, to remind the audience, uh, Paul would actually go and what we call preach out a church. He would go and establish a church. He would go and plant a church. And then after a certain period of time, he would go elsewhere to plant another church. And when he would do this, he would leave someone in charge. And many times he would write them letters to encourage the saints at this particular work where he established. So Paul is saying that in order for a church to be built, in order for a church to uh, be in existence, it needs to have a planner of the church. Jesus is the founder. God is the founder. Jesus is the founder. But the planter is the person that physically takes on the responsibilities of starting that particular ministry. All right, that's first and foremost. Paul was the planner, but Jesus established the church. Jesus uh, was the one who created, who founded the church. Now, let me go to point two. 
Point two tells us not only should we have a planter of the church, but we should have what I would like to call a proprietor of the church. Now, the proprietor, according to definition, the proprietor is the owner of a business or holder of property. The owner of business or holder of property. Let's look at verse two. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Well, I have a question for uh, people who are watching this podcast on today, Mr. Speaker. I want to know who is the proprietor of your soul? Who is the one that actually owns your soul? Is it the devil or is it God? And I hope and pray that the proprietor of your soul, I hope and pray that the proprietor of your life is Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior of all. The Bible tells us that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want that Lord, I want that person to be the proprietor of my soul. And also what I like in verse two of chapter one of first Corinthians, what I like about this, uh, my brother, is that it puts a definition upon those who are to be like Jesus Christ. If you notice, it says to them, that are sanctified. This particular word came to those people who were sanctified, who were set apart, who were called to be saints with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ. This particular letter or epistle was written to the saints. And the good part about this, it is written to those people who were sanctified in Jesus Christ, those people who were set apart in Jesus Christ. So the proprietor of my soul is Jesus Christ. The owner of my soul is Jesus Christ, and he is the holder of my property. Uh, I like that. I really like that analogy. And that's uh, just a summary of verses one and two on today, a portion of verses one and two. Uh, Mr. Speaker, what do you think? What do you think? Agreed. Totally. I mean, when you're looking at the anatomy, it's almost like, you know, constructing a, a, a business, so to speak. You know, you got to have someone to start it. You got to have someone who really owns it. And that's the proprietor who owns you, who's controlling your life. And we should yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And there, Paul himself, being an apostle, who is one that is sent forth. And one of the the, the things that our apostle does is to go and establish churches. And so here we see God using his very plan to do this, a planter, the proprietor, letting you know, hey, it's not about you. It's not about a building. Um, it's not an organization, but what I like to say, an organism, which means it's a living body when it comes to the church itself, Bishop. You're exactly right. So uh, first and foremost, um, in the anatomy of the church, you have to have a planter. There needs to be someone who 
uh, plants the church. And in this case, it was Paul. Then secondly, you have to have a proprietor, and that is Jesus Christ, the owner of the business or the holder of the property. That's Jesus Christ, because if your life, if you gave your life to him, then Jesus Christ is the one that you answer to. Now, here's a third point. Not only should you have, again, the planner and the proprietor, but you need people. Because if you don't have people in the church, you're just by yourself. If you don't have individuals following, you're just out there all alone. But Jesus talks about, and Paul begins to talk about the people of the church. Uh, now, let's look at verse 2b. Let's go to the second part of that. Um, it says, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Jesus in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. The people are those who have been sanctified, and the people are those who have been set apart. Everybody with me? The people are those who have been sanctified, and the people are those who have been set apart. Please understand that the planter was Paul, the proprietor was Jesus, and the people the people are both you and me who do what God wants us to do. Now, let me go to the last part of this anatomy of the church. We have all of these people, all of these uh, things working together. So, you know, we, we, we have the planner, we have the proprietor, we have the people. But now there is a pronouncement that is given to the church a proclamation, if you will, that has been given to the church. Uh, let's look at verse 3, 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, uh, verse 3. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in this particular passage of Scripture, this is a formal announcement or declaration of blessing. I don't want a church, Mr. Speaker, that has not been blessed. I, you know, I can establish something. I can get into my flesh. I can get into myself. And I say, well, you know, I'm going to establish a work. You know, some people, instead of them hearing a call to the ministry, uh, instead of them hearing a call to pastoring, what they do uh, is they just create some type of organization so that they can have a church body. But what God is saying is, I want to pronounce blessing upon my people. I want to pronounce blessing upon the work that has been given. And so I'm going to give this pronouncement, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, Mr. Speaker, everything that I do, everything that has been planted, everything that has been established, 
everything that I do. I want God to get the glory. I want God to get the praise. I don't want to do anything without the backing of Jesus Christ. It's just like, uh, uh, or, or the backing of God. It's just like Jesus Christ, who had just uh, spent 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. And the scripture tells us that after Jesus had completed his temptation, the clouds broke on that day. And God himself said, this is my son. When, when the dove came down from heaven, the voice of God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. That was the blessing that God gave to his son's ministry. I'm a son of God, and I want the blessing that God has given to my ministry. I don't want to move without his blessing. I don't want to move without his approval. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. I want his blessing. And so the last thing is that you receive a pronouncement of the church, meaning grace be unto you or my prayer is with you. I am declaring that everything is fine. Everything is okay. And I'm declaring a formal announcement of endorsement. Right now, there are a lot of people running for office because this is an election year in many places. And it's very important uh, that the newspapers endorse a particular candidate because people read it and they say, you know, I hadn't thought about that person in that light because the such and such paper endorsed this particular candidate. Well, before I do anything for the Lord, I want him to endorse me. If God doesn't endorse it, I don't want to be a part of it. Amen. I don't. Hey, hey man. Amen, Bishop. I like that because a lot of times we have our plans and, and what it is that we want to do. And then we get the Lord to bless it afterwards. <laughs> right. Right. We, we, we want the God to bless it afterwards. And so, you know, that that's doing it in reverse. I, I like this planting proprietor, people, and pronouncement. I want to focus in on the people aspect because you stated if there's nobody there, you're just by yourself. Mm-hmm. What, what can be done to get the people and not only to get the people, but to keep the people and to make sure that they continue to grow in grace and be sanctified and continue in that process? Well, I think that when you see the need, you you meet that need. That's how you get people. That's how people stay as a part of the ministry. Whenever you get lifted up in yourself, whenever you get lifted up in pride, whenever you get lifted up in flesh, then people begin to feel that this person is moving away from God. Now, I will follow you as long as you're following Christ. But if you're not following Christ, then I can't get with you. So I just think it's very important for people to always be connected to the spirit because I feel the type of spirit that this particular leader might have. And I'm going to walk in the grace. I'm going to walk in the work because I just believe that this person, I've got trust and confidence that this person is very serious about the Lord. And he, he wants to make sure that it's done correctly. So to me, that's important. As long as you follow God's spirit, God's spirit will be in you. And other people who have the spirit will be drawn to you. Otherwise, uh, they can't be drawn anymore. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much for that, Bishop. Thank you so very much. Well, that's uh, that's my message or podcast for today, The Anatomy of a Church.
And I want you to understand in the middle of planting and having the proprietor and the people and the pronouncement of blessings upon uh, uh, blessings of God upon the people. I want you to understand that we're called to take a part in God's plan, but it's still God's plan. We are called to take a place, a place within God's church, but please understand it's still God's church. So please note that this is God's business. This is God's place. This is God's plan. This is God's church. And we're going to follow what he wants for us to do. And, and God gives us grace. He gives us peace, but we can only have it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're the people of God. We're not our own. We're bought with a price and we need to do what God would have for us to do. So I, I thank God for the planner. Uh, Paul, I thank God for the proprietor of the church, Jesus Christ. I thank God for the people uh, that are within the church. I thank God for the pronouncement of the church. But most importantly, I always want to be reminded that this is God's place. This is God's house. And I'm going to do what he wants me uh, to do. Wonderful analogy, wonderful anatomy of the church. Amen, Bishop. And as you take us into prayer to close us out today, as you were talking, what comes to my mind is upon this rock I build my church. My <laughs> and church. the gates, there you of, go. gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We must keep in mind that, hey, like you said, Bishop, we're called to take part in God's plan. Send yes, your hands, sir. Bishop. Well, God, we thank you today for your word through this podcast, and we thank you for the opportunity to serve you and to reach the people, to reach uh, your people through technological advances. God, I ask that a word has been planted in the hearts and the minds of all of your people. We thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Lord, uh, for this opportunity to minister. And God, I, I pray that somebody would be touched, that somebody would be changed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We truly praise God on today and we thank God for this and everything that has happened. Remember, you're listening to On Point with Bishop Robert G. Rudolph. On Point, keeping you focused in the right direction.